Good afternoon, patriots. This is Living with Liberty, your source for common sense and truth. I am your host, Ryan. Today I will discuss the response I received from one of my senators on the issue of Washington, D.C. statehood. Next on Living with Liberty. I called Tammy Baldwin, the Democrat senator from my home state of Wisconsin, last week to voice my opinions on a few different issues, one of which was my opposition to statehood for Washington, D.C. I advised the staffer who answered the phone call that I strongly opposed D.C. statehood, that I felt it to be unconstitutional. This week, I received one of those boilerplate form letter responses based on talking points as to why D.C. should be a state. Now, right out of the gate, the letter cites that D.C. has over 700,000 residents, which is more than Vermont and Wyoming. I thought to myself, okay, so what is the point here? So do 30 other cities across the country. New York City has more people than 38 states. Should we make New York City a state too? If we did, New York City would be the 13th largest state in the Union. Is the idea here to go back to the self-ruling city-states of ancient Greece? D.C. has 700,000 people, more than Wyoming and Vermont. That is Baldwin's leading argument here for her support of Washington, D.C. becoming a state. Okay, fine. Let's look at this logic for a second and do a little application of what if to it. Now, for reference, Vermont has about 623,000 people and Wyoming 581,000 people. And for the sake of our what if and argument here, Let's include all cities with 500,000 or more people in them in our scenario, since I'd say that's within striking distance of the populations of Vermont and Wyoming. Now, if we did that, and we'll take Washington, D.C. out of, uh, out of the uh, equation here for a second, that would be 36 cities that have half a million or more people. And as I mentioned before, 30 of those have more Uh, people living in them than Wyoming or Vermont. So by Baldwin's logic, we could and should create 36 new states, or more appropriately, city-states. We would become a nation then of 86 states. Now the other thing to think about here in our what-if scenario is, what does that do to the balance of, of power? within our representatives, our House of Representatives and the Senate. If you think about the shift that would create, we would create new states based off of the premise that their populations are more than the least populated states today. And we would really be able to shift the the balance of power, particularly in the Senate. Now, there would be additive senators 72 of them in this case, as we create 36 new states. But think about the makeup of these big cities that we would be turning into states. The majority of them are Democrat-run hellholes, and significantly so. 
uh, we're talking 70, 80% of the vote goes uh, the way of the Democrats within these cities. Now, these cities also are really, you look at the states, they're, they're influential over the elections in those states. Now, if we imagine them as their own states, what would that do to the electoral makeup of each state? Now, let's take New York City, for example. Imagine if New York City was made of uh, made its own state. New York City accounts for a full 42% of the state of New York's total population. What would taking New York City out of the mix uh, in terms of the electorate in New York State do? I would venture a guess we would probably see two Republican senators from the state of New York. And of course, you'd have two Democrat senators from the uh, state of New York City, whatever we would call it. Now, if these large cities were granted statehood, it would potentially mean a solid conservative Senate majority in almost perpetuity, I would think. Of course, we know the aim here isn't to create a bunch of self-ruling city-states. The aim here is to create a city-state, one city-state, that leans heavily Democrat and will solidify a Democrat Senate majority in perpetuity. The logic here to do so is flawed, and the argument of saying D.C. has more people than Wyoming and Vermont is weak. Uh, to, to use that as the, as the basis for granting Washington, D.C. statehood is absolutely ridiculous, considering the, uh, you know, in, in reality, Washington, D.C. was never meant to be inhabited to, inhabited to begin with. It was only to be the seat of the federal government. Now, the second point here uh, that Baldwin's uh, response makes is that D.C. neither has a vote in the House of Representatives nor senators in the Senate. Well, yeah, Tammy, that's because it's not a state. It is a specifically created federal district whose sole purpose is to house the federal government, not permanent residents. If we look at Washington, D.C., the uh, city itself, it's 68 square miles. Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution states the federal district is to be no more than 10 square miles. Now, that leaves 58 square miles of the city itself that I think should be returned to Maryland and Virginia. Problem solved. Those uh, residents now would have representation in the House and uh, the opportunity to elect senators. The fact that the Constitution lays out that D.C. was to be no more than 10 square miles tells me it wasn't meant to be inhabited by permanent residents. How it was allowed to sprawl out to 68 square miles is beyond me, but the reasonable thing to do here would be to shrink it down to the 10 square miles that is specified in the Constitution and turn over the land uh, that, that the uh, city is made up of, the rest of the land that the city is made up of, turn it back over to Maryland and Virginia, making those living in that 58 square miles residents of one of those two states. The other reasonable thing here would be uh, for those residents who really want representation to either move to Maryland or Virginia. We need to understand here that Washington, D.C., was never intended to be a state. 
if you want the representation, live in Maryland or Virginia. Also, uh, no Democrat response to anything these days is complete without a reference to January 6th. Baldwin's response to me in her form letter is no different in that respect. Her response states that D.C. lacks full authority over its police force and the order to mobilize the Washington, D.C. National Guard, which must come from the White House. Now, for a second, I'll stop here, and I'll add that's how it should be. Considering Washington, D.C. is a federal district, it's not a state. It doesn't have a governor. Its sole purpose is to house the federal government, which then means the federal government has the authority to mobilize the National Guard. That's how it works. The The mayor of Washington, D.C. shouldn't have that and have that, res, that right. And making it a state isn't the solution to this. Now, Baldwin's letter goes on to lament how it took hours to approve National Guard mobilization on January 6th after the riots broke out at the Capitol. Now, apparently here, Tammy Baldwin doesn't read the news or just chooses to ignore it. I don't know which. Uh, really here, the, this, this statement is a, another half-truth, uh, you know, about the how long it took and uh, just the mobilization in general of, of the National Guard in Washington, D.C., and, and call it the Washington, D.C. detachment of the National Guard here. Now, it has since come out in, a, in several stories by several outlets that both the FBI and New York Police Department warned Capitol Police about the potential threat of uh, January 6th and what might and could have happened well ahead of time, well ahead of January 6th. There was intelligence out there. And now get this piece of it. The National Guard itself offered to help help Capitol Police three days prior to January 6th. Capitol Police declined the help. That's right. The National Guard could have been mobilized and in place prior to January 6th. Now, this is a fact that is too inconvenient for Baldwin and her Democrat cohorts and their narrative they keep feeding us. So it gets kicked aside, buried, and not mentioned, and half-truths are thrown out in responses back to constituents' uh, concerns and opinions. Now, I'll link an article from The Hill in the description box that outlines this story and this fact. And you know, I, there's several outlets out there, but I, I picked the hill because it's, you know, it's maybe middle of the road and maybe more middle left. Um, I wouldn't, so it's, but it's definitely not a, a conservative leaning outlet by any means. Now, kind of moving on and speaking of more inconvenient facts, I'll end today's show's uh, show with more facts the Democrats want buried when it comes to. Washington, D.C. becoming a state. I have a Gallup poll here from 2019. I think that's the most recent one. At least it's the most recent one I've been able to find that shows overwhelming opposition by Americans of all stripes to D.C. statehood. 
that poll showed a 64 to 30 split in terms of those surveyed in terms of support for D.C. statehood. So 64% of Americans in that Gallup poll oppose D.C. statehood. Now, if you think about that in terms of, uh, you know, what that would mean legislatively, we're getting into veto-proof territory here. Now, even more inconvenient for the Democrats is that 51% of those identifying as Democrats in this survey reject the notion of D.C. statehood. So you have more, uh, a small majority, but still a majority of Democrats that reject this idea of D.C. statehood, as do 50% of those who identify as liberals. Also, if you, I'll link the, the article in the description box, that also is a, a, a majority, a majority of liberals reject this idea of making Washington, D.C. a state. I believe it's a 50-40 split with 10 that aren't sure. Uh, when it comes to the liberals. So those are all overwhelming numbers here. It's a majority, any way you slice and dice it, of people in this country that do not want Washington, D.C. to become a state. These are numbers that you won't hear about through, uh, through you know, the Democrats' narrative. And I would encourage all of you to voice your opposition of D.C. statehood to your Democrat senators and representatives. I think what I found is uh, at times when I call my uh, representatives and I agree with their positions, uh, you know, you, I don't necessarily get a response, but when you voice an opposition to them, it, it seems more likely that you'll get a response because they want to sell you on their crappy idea. And that's what this is here, D.C., becoming a state is really a very crappy idea, you know, both from the standpoint of it's not constitutional and from the argument that Baldwin laid out here of, of it having more residents than the least populated state. I mean, that, that's just a, the, a total weak sauce argument that I think you would, is indicative and of how Democrats try and outline their policy to you. Now I did write back to Tammy Baldwin's email uh, that, that she sent correcting her misconceptions and half-truths uh, uh, of her response, of her form letter that she sent out. I am happy to send this to you as a template response to your reps uh, should their office respond, should you make that phone call and then get a response. I'm happy to provide that to you. I, uh, if you would like it, email me. Um, the email address is livingwithliberty, all one word, livingwithliberty, at usa.com. My letter back cited the constitutional articles and sections that governs DC, uh, D.C.'s creation and statehood, as well as the Hill article on uh, the Capitol Police rejecting National Guard help. As well, and I also have the Gallup poll article in there. As I said, I'm happy to send it along to you, and you can use it as you see fit. This is a battle that's not going to go away, and it's a battle that we're going to need to fight. And as long as we keep pressing that and keep uh, keep pressing that, we do not want D.C. to be a state, and that we continue to 
kind of model what that Gallup poll said, that it's an overwhelming majority of people that do not want D.C. to be a state, I think they'll back down and we will not see D.C. become a state. That's my show for today. Thank you for listening. I'd be grateful if you left a positive review of my show, should your listening platform allow for reviews. I'd also appreciate it if you subscribed to and shared my podcast as it helps us move up the charts and helps more people find the truth. I appreciate you spending some of your day with me. Please help us spread the truth by sharing my show with friends and family, as well as on your social media accounts. I would be grateful if you subscribed to my podcast and signed up for notifications. It'll help us stay connected. Follow me on my social media home on Parlor. My handle there is at Living with Liberty. I am also on MeWe. I can be found by searching Living with Liberty, and I have a Telegram channel. My handle there is at Living with Liberty. Liberty isn't a given. We must fight to protect it. Working together, we will do exactly that. Until next time.